0: But with that comes a cost that under Prop 2.5, towns can't just absorb everything all the time. No. Um, and so there's going to be pressure on Beacon Hill to fill a lot of the void mm-hmm. that uh, some of this federal monies, the CARES Act and the ARPA funds have helped support.
1: For Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, wfpr.fm, and in the local Franklin FM radio dial, 102.9, here today in the town administrator's office with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great, Steve. Hope everybody started their holiday season off well, and so far the weather's been cooperating. Yes. Yeah.
1: The weather certainly cooperated for the turkey trot last week. Um, there was a big crowd. A uh, bunch of money raised for the food pantry. Yep. The weather seemed to have cooperated. Most of the rain seems to have been overnight, so not distributed during <laughs> the day. And
0: those, that was good. It wouldn't have stopped that crowd, Steve. Uh, I know you no. still would have been running in the turkey trot, yeah. anyways, yeah. in the rain, yeah. or walking, or pushing <laughs> or walking strollers. Rather. There was a
1: lot of strollers in, That's the, great. in, in the in the thing too. So mm-hmm. it was it was good to see. Cause I, I think a picture I did, Shanda. We were in the back of the pack with my daughter and her her two little ones. Um, and there was a lot of people and I think officially it was like 780 finishers, um, full of walk. I think it was over a thousand registered, but Mm -hmm. some people, you know, maybe just decided I'm not going to get up in the morning, but they made the contribution and we appreciate the contribution part of that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all good. And now with that behind us and you did the tax rate hearing. So officially that puts the pin in the kind of the, well. To, for a certain point the That's milestone right. for the FY24 because if something still happens you may have to adjust it as it goes but now you're starting more in earnest for FY25
0: there's always things that can happen in a budget cycle down the road i.e 2020 mm-hmm. um, you know just for a good case reference right um, but you're right it, it kind of in a funny way it starts in, a tax rate hearing starts and concludes a fiscal year it, it, it doesn't really. Uh, But that's the challenging uh, network of uh, municipal finance that we operate in. And and basically what the tax rate hearing does is establishes the tax rate for the next billable year Mm -hmm. of what uh, the property taxes will be for any given house or property in town. And, um, you know, we had that hearing last week. And for us, inside these doors, in these offices, inside the town hall... um, it allows our Board of Assessors and Department of Revenue at the state level to uh, do an overlook on our finances and be able to look forward. And it allows the town in particular to begin to now generate what the budget model will be for FY25. Mm-hmm. So we're using all of this data. It becomes your baseline. It becomes our it. baseline, exactly, for next year. Mm-hmm. And so the big number that people really out there need to look at is new growth. Yeah. Um, the tax levy is pretty strong because our property values are going up. Mm-hmm. And property values, as everybody knows, in Massachusetts are sky high. Um, if those, if that piece of the pie becomes to a road, then we've got much bigger issues to be yeah. dealing with. But Correct. new growth is a uh, tax levy that was not captured during the regular process and uh, those could be kitchen remodelings or uh, a deck or a shed built off a mm-hmm. of residential property. Maybe you had a, a, an ADU put in. Maybe you finished a basement or an attic, um, maybe a commercial property did a paint job or did a, put in a grease trap or mm-hmm. did an improvement to a commercial property and all of that unanticipated uh, property valuation that goes up gets captured in what's called new growth. And as we've been saying during the last few budget cycles, um, new growth has, has dipped the last couple years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this year in particular was the lowest we'd seen in the last five or six years. Um, and why is that? Well, numbers stayed really good when we were trapped at home or wearing masks or mm-hmm. under regulations. Sure. Yeah. Most of the development that people had either commercially or at home was already financed. Yep. It was already the money was borrowed. There had already been contracts signed. The, the goods were on hand. The goods there wasn't any hand. shortage just the supplies yet. Supplies were on <laughs> hand, the workers were on hand, things yeah. were scheduled. And so, ironically, we saw those numbers boom up huge because (laughs) not only, myself included, Steve, we've talked about it on the show, um, I had my mechanicals in my personal house scheduled that year. Right. um, uh, For that spring. And so, everything was already ordered and then the contractors were trying to get everything done. Because nobody knew what the world was going to no, be in front uh, of us.
1: Rather and so
0: people were so busy and they were nervous about their families and obviously everything. Work got done a lot quicker. And so the town was able to capture that revenue base. Um, now that we've had higher interest rates, uh, inflation has been a problem. Again, all kind of generated from the pandemic. You know, it's, it's still the tsunami waves to me that are kind of feeding off the earthquake, if you will. Um, and now you're starting to see things settle down, right? Right. Mm-hmm. People are holding on to their money a little bit more. They're saving a few more bucks. They have less money because they've been spending it the last couple of years since sure. um, since the stockpile happened and the Con- federal stimulus money. Consumer debt is Cons- setting records. <laughs> Consumer debt is setting records. Um, and so you have this dynamic now where I think fewer and fewer improvements are happening. Just like the national economy, you're still seeing a generally resilient new growth number in Franklin
2: mm-hmm.
0: and other towns are seeing that. Why? Even despite some of those trends, people are still working. They're still doing employment. They're still out there. Um, a lot of the unemployment assistance is now gone right. from the pandemic. Uh, from, years, the actual programs, the actual, from the extra special programs. Yeah. special programs. And so now you have an interesting dichotomy where you still do have a vibrant growth sector in town. People mm-hmm. are still doing work. It's just not in the urgency it was three and a half, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you do see a subsidence of some of it because there is, there are some businesses, some real estate developers, some personal property owners who said, you know what, I think I see some choppy waters ahead or inflation has, has hurt my budget and family so much, mm-hmm. we're just going to forego that additional project. Yeah. And as a result of that, new growth numbers have slid down to a more reasonable baseline number. And why that's important? Well, there's less revenue in the town budget. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that are listening to the podcast and are engaged in the school finance debate, or what about a new police station, um, or some of the other capital projects and towns and needs that we hear about, we need to keep this thing in mind, that the revenues in the year ahead may not be as good as they are now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the one
1: side, and then on the other side, I know you've said in a number of meetings, whether FinCom, uh, town council budget hearings, et cetera, there's a, even the Community Preservation Act because a couple of projects mm-hmm. that are still on the plate you're holding because the interest for which you would have to borrow is a little bit higher than it could be. That's exact, That's a and, great point. And, and, and yeah, it's not it that critical, grant that Coppola still kind of looks ugly on the historical museum, but it's
0: we want to do it and do it right with the right cost when we do it. It's a phenomenal point. There's a backlog of all sorts of... The pavilion at the Senior Center. Mm -hmm. Right? We've had just getting into some security upgrades at the schools. Yep. Um, We've got the cupola down at the museum. You've got a whole series of projects. Electronic um, personnel records. Onboarding process. Mm -hmm. Town and school both agree. We need to have a joint system. Where are we going to get the capacity to do that? Where's the funding? Well, all of a sudden, licenses go through the roof. Staff time is less. And there you have a supply and demand problem. Right. And we're seeing that with a lot of materials. Um, we're seeing that in town, the apartments across the street from town hall. Mm-hmm. People wondering why they're not open yet because of all these supply chain problems. Sure. We may not live them in our life, um, in our normal consumer behavior, but anybody in development or in service delivery knows that these things are still problems that mm-hmm. we're dealing with Absolutely. Um, after the pandemic. Yeah. And, um, and so we'll see what the future holds. But next year going to FY25, you know, we're looking at a situation in the town budget where we are anticipating that we probably won't have as much revenue as what we had even this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then compound onto that some other changing news and good news, which is you know, hopefully the ho- new hotel will be on line right. by then, which may offset some of those losses. Uh, but then also you have expenses that are going up to, extremely tight too. So. You're paying more just like everybody else is paying more. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So, I mean, that's a little bit of what goes on after the tax rate hearing here. You know, the team and us, we all circle up and we look out to the year ahead. And now that we're about to enter December this week, now we got to really start paying attention to the um, consensus revenue hearing at mm-hmm. the state level. Sure. Um, who also, by the way, is seeing depleted revenues. Um, If people haven't been paying close attention, their their benchmarks, their forecasts and their benchmarks aren't hitting where they thought they were. Uh, It's going to be a challenging time, Steve, for everybody coming out this late after the pandemic to possibly look down the road and realize that we may not be able to fund as a state or a town. We just simply may not be able to fund everything that everybody thinks. Think should happen, mm-hmm. um, and I think we haven't had a moment yet um, in a while, actually, I would maybe even say 15 years, where we've had to look at stakeholders um, or uh, folks and staff or other citizens, you know, from the state perspective or local. We 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 haven't really challenged them um, all the time with the fact that we we can't do what you think we should do. Mm-hmm there's no time and money to be able to do it. Um, And so we're entering, I think, a a stage in the budget looking out statewide as well of trying to realize that we're going to have to probably make some choices. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to have to make some difficult choices um, and have some strategic uh, elements to that. Um, And I hope that as we move here into the winter and into the spring, you know, I laid out the five-year fiscal forecast earlier this year. That will get updated later on this year um, to include the Tri-County ballot question and some other assumptions,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, but, um, but the town's going to have some pretty big choices to make in the next couple of years, for sure. Yeah, and I think two
1: pieces to reemphasize for the listeners' benefit, or at least recall, close um, the Tri-County uh, vote both mm-hmm. yes for the 11 communities. Three decided not to, but the 11 communities overall said yes and then so specifically on November 7th the debt exclusion passed granted it was a small turnout but it was an overriding pass mm-hmm. on the choice that helps our town budget significantly because we've got we don't have to worry about that other 2 million when it will come and it may come as we've talked in 26 maybe 27 it won't come right away but we're already prepared for doing that separate assessment, and thereby we don't have to, we've been enough to worry about on the town budget side, we don't have to worry about that, too.
0: That's right. And um, laying right into the challenges, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, you know, it's in some ways, you know, the the pandemic years had its challenge, but it was a little different. Right. Um, And as you're saying that, what's popping into my head is, you know, for the last several years, we've been able to. Maneuver funds around with federal stimulus monies, um, particularly the schools. yep have used millions and millions of dollars uh, in federal stimulus money um, to uh, keep operations going, as every district has. Um, but that money is now going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, our last... We're anticipating on December 20th to put forth our final application before the council for the Arpa County Uh, Money. Oh, for the additional money through the county. For the county, because we have a different system than some of the other uh, cities and towns of Massachusetts because we're in Norfolk County. It's the way the law was written. But um, we're going to look at that. It's going to be a sobering night where we're putting forth some really great projects I think people will be really happy with in town, um, particularly on the social services-related stuff Mm -hmm. and dealing with the increase that we've had um, in food insecurity Um, transient housing assistance, and a lot of other social services that are clearly still an issue and maybe even growing uh, from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of projects that people, I think, will be really um, rallying around really well, but it's also the last of the money. Right, right. (laughs) So that safety net is now not going to be there. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of like getting to the point of taking the training wheels off your Mm-hmm. Your son or daughter's bike. It's. Yeah. I think, eventually, we're all going to have to start to learn how to live through our own means. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe and, on a smaller bike. Who knows? Yeah, on a smaller <laughs> bike. Yeah, well, going back to the kids' bike for sure. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so we're all going to have to start getting used to that. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's going to put pressure also on Beacon Hill. Yes. You know, because as we've seen, like recently with the North Andover teachers' uh, contract situation. They just got almost 16% over four years, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure Andover can 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 handle that. Um, but I do see some significant pressures coming on school finance, as there should be, by mm-hmm. the way, right? Um, because the costs are exorbitant, and if you care about public education uh, for your children, obviously we need to figure out how to pay people better and make sure that there are teachers in the classrooms. Right. Um, but with that comes a cost that under Prop Two and a Half. Towns can't just absorb everything all the time.
2: No. no.
0: Um, And so there's going to be pressure on Beacon Hill to fill a lot of the void Mm -hmm. that uh, some of this federal monies, the CARES Act and the ARPA funds have helped support. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, as always, we've got a great team here and, um, you know, it's not just all about the problems, but, you know, through the pandemic, we're able to become a AAA bond rating community because of our financial management. So we're confident we'll be able to get through it. But I think as the next couple of years go through, um, you know, I think there's going to unfortunately have to be some, some some very heavy conversations around prioritization.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just specifically because of the Norfolk <laughs> County submission, yeah. as I understand it, Norfolk County clearly is distributing ARPRA funds to its county communities, mm-hmm. and other communities haven't been using, if if you will, their allocation, so there's, quote, extra, and thereby, since we've got shovel-ready projects, we can step forward and utilize additional funds, which is good on multiple parts. I mean, you're
0: ready, we can use the money, and the money's available, let's take advantage of it. And you've got a supportive town council and, and elected officials here to to support all this stuff that departments in, in the town want, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of other communities, I. I think people, you know, this isn't me just trying to, you know, um, to tell everybody out there that the bosses are doing a great job on this stuff, which they really are. Why? You know, a lot of other communities, it's coming from the top down. Right. It's, you know, I'm an elected official somewhere and I have the best idea in the planet and I'm going to tell the community what to do. Here it's been the inverse. It's been really a lot of our departments using um, their expertise to get shovel ready projects. In addition to hopefully in December, again, there'll be some applications, which I don't want to tip the hand too much, but um, there'll also be some shovel-ready organizations that can really tap into those money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you nailed it, Steve. I'm trying to put the community in a place where in January, we've allocated all of ours, um, and the county says, well, geez, there's Franklin. They're already through all their money, and they've already spent half of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's accounted for. It's built. Right. It's done. Yep. Um, Let's see if we can give them a little bit more. Do they yep. need anything? Sure. So um, I don't want to be taking other communities ARPA money, but if I, I also, I'm a town manager in Franklin. I have to fight for Franklin. If I can put us in a position to be able to be in a position to take other ARPA funds away from other communities who aren't using it as well as they should, mm-hmm. well, then that's great for Franklin and we should put ourselves in that position. And just again, lastly on that, don't underestimate our form of government and its ability to make these transactions possible. Yes. And the council being very supportive of everything we've put before them. Mm-hmm. They've all supported all the applications unanimously, and and they've they've sung the praises. And Jake Auchincloss was here last year and told us in a public forum that we were using the money exactly as Congress had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Right. Some social service money, some infrastructure money, um, stuff to be able to plug some of the emergency mm-hmm. gaps, public sure. health. Yep. Um, we've all been doing that. You know, I know we're not in the year-end session yet. That'll be the next episode. <laughs> um, but, um, but uh, you know, so far so good on the ARPA funds. And, yeah. you know, we'll just have to do the best we can. I mean, once we get into January and February, that's really when budget season hits. And then um, March 6th is, um, I'm giving everybody out there four months, notice, three months notice. <laughs> March 6th should be when the first budget model is released for FY25. Um, and to give the Joint Budget Subcommittee a a preview as to what's to come. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and by that time, the governor will be on the regular process. Her third week and Wednesday in January, if I recall, she'll release her uh, House 1 budget, um, which will then kick off the entire state process. Senate will follow, House will follow, and that's
0: the entire budget cycle (laughs) coming around again. People tell me, ask me all the time, "Can I just have a one pager on this?" And I, (laughs) if I could, I would. Right. But I can't. No. Um, There's too many asterisks and exceptions to each of the rules, Mm -hmm. and and for people to kind of close this out. I mean, people have heard this probably before. You really need to, um, you know, really on your own if you're looking to understand the municipal budget. You just need to pay attention to the cycle all year. Mm -hmm. And, yep, it's a lot of meetings. Um, We all make them available hybrid now. You can just treat them like a podcast or a YouTube channel. I mean, everybody can listen in. uh, But you really need to pay attention to each step in the process. And one of the good things about this session will be not only just that all nine counselors are returning, but that also breeds the fact that all nine of them have now at least been through, through budget cycles. Correct. That level of experience, that that level of 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 expertise, the expertise, we can dig into some deeper concepts, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good thing, um, because we're going to need that uh, coming into this year. Absolutely. And then for the
1: listeners, uh, I did, and I'm trying to remember exactly when, I think it was two years ago, uh, spend time. So we do have the recording available with Chris... Uh, Sandini mm-hmm. and Kerry Bretonni covering the entire budget cycle. Some of the numbers for the budgets at mm-hmm. that time may have changed, but the cycle itself doesn't. Right. I think the only thing that is not, quote, green in that recording was you were still in the pending state of getting the AAA rating, which right. came out right after we did the recording. <laughs> so that's about the only thing that was wrong, if you will. And it wasn't wrong. We were waiting for it. Right. But you've got it. Right. So, yeah. listeners, uh, I'll include the show no- in the show notes, the link to go back to that recording, because they do in their terms uh, cover effectively three budgets at a time, because they're dealing with the past budget, the current budget, and the future budget, um, and the, the years may change, but the, those three pieces are still working all the
0: time. We never stop, and it it, it it's just really, really hard to. Once you understand, like, the tax rate hearing, Mm -hmm. for example, when you know one part of the puzzle, then you have to still figure out the other pieces. Sure. And so it's good to just go through a full year, understand the four corners of the puzzle, and then year after year just try to fill in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Chris Sandini will even tell you, our finance director, he still learned something you know, every day. Right? Oops. Like, yep. there's just still something to always learn in municipal finance. And um, and so, if you're interested in this stuff, um, you know, uh, people should pay attention. And, um, you know, we've got th- two, three new finance committee members, I believe. Maybe two, three um, that we just have come on um, mm-hmm. and we'll probably get a couple more next year. Right. Um, and so, we need that core group of people on the finance committee to also have that institutional knowledge as right. well. And so. Yep. Um, If people are interested in this stuff, they should uh, participate and get involved.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. It's fun. And I think the other piece in terms of kind of the human services aspect, uh, you were teasing, I think that in the last council meeting, you may not carry that uh, migrant housing status update on a regular piece, Mm -hmm. because effectively, I think to the credit of everybody involved, it has certainly stabilized, the state is now doing what they need to do, but as well, you're facilitating between the Interfaith Council, the Safe Coalition, the community is doing what it needs to do to address those in, the needs of those individuals.
0: We are, and I, I won't take any credit away from all of the folks who have really been doing all the work um, if we didn't have the Interfaith Coalition and the Safe Coalition and the Food Pantry and the YMCA and, and FISH, um, School Department, Brittany Crosby, Paul morano they've all been unbelievable, the mm-hmm. registration level to social service needs and, um, you know, um, you know, things have stabilized pretty well, um, you know, you, you, we hopefully now um, we're starting to see the worker authorizations go through, about a thousand uh, folks have had uh, worker authorizations from the Department of Homeland Security in the last week. Um, was from, that coming out of that one piece
1: where I know Homeland Security was coming in with the state? In, well, they were. What was it? October. They're up <laughs> in another
0: community on the North Shore, and I'm sure they set up a hotel for a few weeks or whatever. Right. But um, I don't have any anticipated dates on on this hotel. Um, but the state is trying to work through it, um, you know. And I don't know why or how or the details. But um, the germane issue is is that the only way we're going to get out of this this humanitarian crisis is to give people a purpose in life with some dignity Mm -hmm. to go out and earn a living. And once people begin, just like every other uh, generation of immigrants before, um, the language is not gonna be learned in a day. This is not a Google search. It will take weeks, months, and years. And of course, a lot of people, families, already have a good fluency with English. So hopefully those individuals that have those skills already in addition to skill sets that were used in their country of origin, um, you know, we've met people who are medics in their country of origin. Well, why couldn't they be a paramedic here? Mm-hmm. Um, we've met people that were in construction, not just pick up debris, but actually involved in engineering. Why can't they use their skill sets? This is going to take a little while, but once we give people a purpose, give them some dignity, give them some self-sustainability. Um, that's how you get people in more integrated in the community. Mm-hmm. What's equally is difficult for me to watch, but it takes time. Is while we have been very embracing um, in this community, and the people that have been involved have been nothing short of heroes and saints. Uh, for the children's sake, okay, I think we would all agree that the optimum scenario is that families that are living in there have an opportunity to find a more stable place to live Mm -hmm. so that their children can grow up in a community just like ours did. And think with a peace of mind that my child will have an equal opportunity as other people because they grew up in one community, hopefully, for their their educational Mm -hmm. history. We know that that's not always feasible, and there are new generations of people, Steve, that aren't, Boomers and Gen Xers that are going to have their own defined work life uh, program. But I think you would agree with me if there was still an optimum scenario, most parents would say, geez, I would prefer to have my child in pre K, in K, elementary, middle, high, all together to build that um, that social fabric and that network that Mm -hmm. we all want in our communities, but we also, more importantly, I think all individually want for our children to have a better life than what we had. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, the biggest barrier to that is trying to get the folks in this hotel um, their day. I've been told that they are going to have their day eventually in the next month or whenever you know this is mm-hmm. happening Yeah, where some of those worker authorizations will go through. Um, and that's really, really key. Um, you've got a hotel f- of people down there that have strong elbow grease, great work ethics. They're ready to go you know, um, waiting, and um, and they're waiting, Um, and so uh, other than that, um, you know, our our third-party social service providers have done a great job coordinating, they're continuing to hone their systems, Um, the community at large and the region at large has been very generous with donations and gift cards, Uh, and like I said at every meeting, I'm very proud of people for not what they've done extra but they've just listened to the directive of the providers to make sure we're addressing the exact needs. It may seem like, for example, we want to give food, until you actually realize that if you're a family in there, you're kind of hoarding food. It's scarce. Mm -hmm. And then there are fire hazards in hotels. So the the hotel has done a great job of going door-to-door with our providers, making sure people aren't hoarding too much food, they're not creating safety and, and public safety hazards fire hazards, clothing hazards, um, you know, and making sure that everybody up there is living uh, a safe existence, especially as we get into through winter. Um, I think the other big issue coming up is really about what the state of affairs is going to do with the state of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. The governor's asked for an infusion of funding, um, the House and Senate have both passed bills also um, around that, um, and there's just a big question right now as we enter winter. Of a disagreement over um, a policy debate, disagreement over um, trying to figure out whether an overflow shelter is needed. And I think, um, you know, I think right now with the Secretary of Housing saying, geez, you know, some a lot of families have left, maybe there is more shelter space available within the current structure, maybe we don't need an overflow site, mm-hmm. um, really is a, a, an interesting policy to debate because I think at the root of it, it's everybody up on Beacon Hill is trying to figure out exactly what the exit strategy is right. as the administration announced in mid-October, right? Yeah. They said we're looking yeah. for an exit strategy. Well, now you can start to see that. You can start to see if a thousand families have worker permits, hopefully over the next six to eight months they'll find uh, employment mm-hmm. and they'll be able to find a place on their own, Sure. right? Yeah. They'll rent an apartment and whether that's in Massachusetts, Rhode or Island, somewhere. Connecticut, yeah. Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. Yeah. Maybe they leave Massachusetts altogether. I don't know. Um, But, at the end of the day, getting those families up on their own self-sufficient state is really the humanitarian win here. Mm -hmm. That's how all of us are victorious in this debate. And so, as things have stabilized, I just said there really isn't, if there's any major announcement at a council meeting, I'm happy to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think a lot of the public questions have been answered. The councilors have seemed to have said numerous times, like, oh, you answered all these questions that people have,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: if you notice, Steve, even the meetings, the questions from them have died down a little bit because I yes. think the questions in the community have been answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, proud of the fact that we have generally um, tried to address this issue not by grandstanding or overdoing it, we've just simply said, how do we meet people where they're at, and how do we get to know them, and what is it that they want in the Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that, right? Yep, yep. And then execute, which we've been able to do so far. So, yeah. I just try to give people a lane to work in, a football field, and and again, you know, I mm-hmm. can't. You know, it's amazing to have seen how much um, the Interfaith Coalition and, and Jen Knight at the Safe and and Tina at the at the food pantry and the Y and all of them have really. Um, and those are organizations too, Steve. They're more used to this stuff than we are. True. Right? They, they're in the service delivery, they have other networks. Right. Um, yeah. And so I uh, mm-hmm. can't give enough credit to all them for yeah. all their incredible yeah. work. The community came together. Yeah, and the clothing drives, you know, at the Federated Church, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all sorts of um, incredibly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of what we heard at the beginning uh, felt like almost Y2K. Um, a lot of fear, and understandably from some, and mm-hmm. a lot of concern. And I think as the months have gone by, people have realized these are just these are just families and children um, trying to seek a, a safe and better life for themselves than kind of like what we had. So yep. I think everything's kind of settled in nicely, and um, very grateful for the community for rallying together. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, um, when Amy and I go to other managers' conferences, it's not like this everywhere else. On. Yeah. You said that before. Yes. Um, yeah. So that we get so locked into what we do here and the emotions of whatever it is mm-hmm. that we forget outside of here, there is a world dealing with these issues too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think a lot of towns have done a good job and I think a lot of towns are struggling. Um, and we're grateful for all these providers that are here that have enabled this to be a little easier on everybody. So, mm-hmm. um, so far so good. Good stuff. So the council comes up the
1: twentieth, I think. Yeah. Uh, the week before that, you've got FinCom, Finance Committee,
0: and they do a uh, build-out deep dive, I believe, on facilities. We have a uh, we have the legendary Bill outs deep dive series, uh, which is a deep di- a series of deep dives into the uh, the endless labyrinths of every municipal budget, <laughs> um, and nothing's bigger than facilities. Right. One of the biggest budgets in the in the town budget, and they'll be pr- pressing Mike and Kevin and the staff, I'm sure, mm-hmm. yeah. um, with all sorts of questions about facilities, um, and um, and so that will be on December thirteenth. Thirteenth, yeah. And then on December twentieth will be the council, which they'll have the second readings of the snow removal bylaw as well as the mattress fee bylaw. Right. Um, and then also they'll be hopefully considering a final ARPA. Uh, federal stimulus application, um, and then a couple of other odds and ends before uh, before the break. There'll be the annual renewals of licenses correct, right. um, and yep. some other general business before mm-hmm. the holidays. And, yep. and then we come back January 3rd. is the first meeting, I think, the first Wednesday in the new year. And first that's Wednesday. when we get to work on the new work plan for the next two years, which I'm super excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, love getting into that stuff goal session. Well, it's just fun to do it at the beginning of the year. It is, yeah. You look out a little and you can put the past in the past a little Um, and um, you know, at the end of each session it does get a little sluggish you know, people are a little tired and some of the issues have already gotten worked out, you know, some couple you can't finish right, Right. you know, and you know, when you look at the list and you're like, oh, we're 90% done with everything, it's there's a reason why the last few wait Because it's like the projects, they're like, oh, we have to do this. Um, And so it gives everybody a chance to kind of reflect and and dream a little bit bigger into the future. And Mm -hmm. that's always fun. And then, of course, that dream, that
1: wish list will get uh, mediated by the realities of the budget.
0: (laughs) And unlike two years ago, you know, I I agree, this year is going to be worse. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, the staff bandwidth is just not... You know what it used to be, and the amount each person can do is 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 not the same. Yeah. The 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 um, the requests that we're putting on people are just too much, and we've got to do a digestible amount. Um, and one goal I will trip you off to um, is really cleaning up the backlog of of projects, particularly mm-hmm. for facilities, right? Particularly for finance and HR onboarding. Electronic personnel record systems. This is software. This is licensing. These are system and workflows. Mm-hmm. No, oh, by the way, you know our finance director is retiring next summer. Um, school business administrator still the permanent fixture isn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob's been doing a great job. Great breath of fresh air. I really right. enjoyed him being here. Yep. He is incredibly talented and smart guy. Um, You know, but the long-term solution, and he'd even tell you he's not here for 10 years. Um, The poor man is supposed to be retired. (laughs) He wants Uh, to go back to He just took his vacation (laughs) that was for his retirement three years ago, whatever. Um, You know, we want him to retire and enjoy um, his life. Um, And we have the cupola. We've got the security projects. We've got King Street Memorial Park is ready to go. Mm-hmm. We've got design for that. Right. We've got the pavilion at the senior center. We know out there the senior center audience is listening. We know we've got to light up the front light. There's just a lot of projects that got put on the back burner, either from time management or pandemic costs, inflation, that we've got to get done. You mm-hmm. know, We've got to work and get the police station to a design phase, and we've got to get Remington Jefferson um, designed out, remodeled, right. um, yep. and those won't be finished by the end of the next couple of years, but we've got to make sure that we're taking care of the stuff that has been on the back burner for a few years from mm-hmm. the pandemic, and hopefully we can get that list um, done over the next couple of years, Right, which would be really great.
1: Good. Well, I think that covers it for today. Um, And, yeah, as you mentioned, I think our next session will be able to look back at the year. And it's, I mean, it's December already. Where did the year go? But there was certainly a lot of conversations that we had. We could pick out some high points and and, perhaps a low point here and there and say, what
0: what do we do then? (laughs) Well... Time flies when you're having fun, Steve. Absolutely. And we are and having we,
1: fun. We are having fun, and I continue to have fun. And I thank you for taking time to share this with uh, residents and listeners. And uh, until next time, come back for sure. There's more coming. And uh, thank you again. And the final reminder for the listeners, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clock and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Mañana, copyright Michael Clock and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.